the last few months, last oh, maybe 10 to 12 weeks, um, I've, I've tried to get into the gym and try to get a little bit of fitness and exercise. Um, pastors are, you know, notorious for just like sitting around reading books. And so I thought, you know, I need to get in there and get, get some exercise. And, and I was at the gym about, a, oh, it's probably been a month ago, and committed what I would call a major gym foul. You might even say a gym fail. Um, there are some sort of unwritten rules when you go to a gym or to a health club. Uh, for instance, one of the unwritten rules, if you, how many of you guys ever go to the YMCA or the gym or the, you know, some, sometimes, right? Okay, we get out there. Uh, not all the time, you know. But there's these, unwritten, there's these unwritten protocols and parameters, okay? For instance, you don't sit on a weight machine and scroll through Facebook. You just, it's just, un, it's not done, right? It's not, because other people need that machine. That's just one of the unwritten rules, right? You don't do, guys, you, you, you'll relate to this. You don't do bicep curls in the squat rack, right? That's not what that's for, right? Like, there's a squat rack where people are supposed to do squats, and when people are doing something else, it's like, what are you doing in there, right? You don't, uh, an, another rule is, you don't pull up your shirt and check out your abs in the mirror. Like, it's just, it's not done. It's just not, someone needs to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, take that to the locker room, right? I mean, he's just... You don't do it. You don't leave your sweat on the, on the, on the exercise machine. When you wipe that off, okay? These are just some, I'm just trying to help you guys with some weight. But there's another unwritten rule that I broke in the gym a few weeks ago. And that is, if you're going to try to lift an amount of weight that is greater than you can lift, you should have a spotter. You know what a spotter is? A spotter is a person who comes over and, and you tell them in advance, hey, I need a spotter. I need a spot, okay? And they come over and whatever you're trying to do, they're going to make sure that you don't fall under the weight of it or that it doesn't collapse on you. So I was on the bench press. And the bench press, horizontal bench, there's a big barbells and there's a rack and you lie down and you pick up the barbells and you try to push them off your chest as many times as you can, Right? So I'm in there, and, and I'm, you know, and I don't have a lot of weight on there, but, but I'm, I'm pushing it a few times. And I got to this point where I had gotten four pretty easily, and I thought, you know, I'll do another one. And then I got five, and I was like, well, you know, I mean, that was hard, but like, I, I wonder if I've got one more. Now, if you wonder if you've got one more, and you don't have a spotter, the unwritten rule is you don't try to find out if you've got one more, right? But I just had one of those moments where it was like, I bet you, I bet you I could get, I bet you I could get one more. I bet you I could. So I brought the weight back down onto my chest. Right as I brought it down, it's that moment where you go, that was a bad idea. <laughs> and you have this moment of panic, like I'm stuck under the weight on this bench press in a gym full of people. And there are a couple things that go through your mind. Like, one thing is just the sheer panic of it. The second thing is the embarrassment of it. And the third thing, at least for me, I started thinking about how do I get out from under this? Like, without everybody noticing. Do I just rest the weight on my chest and then roll it down my body? You know, and it drop it off my knee? I mean, that's possible. And I'm thinking this, and I'm like, do I tip the weight and then these slide off and then I tip this one and these slide off? Then I just have a bar and I just put it back. I mean, so I'm, th I'm going through this process in my mind 
And the weight at this point is hovering about four inches off my chest, but it's not going upward the direction it should be. It's gently coming downward, right? And right at that time, out of the kind of the peripheral vision, three people in the gym come running, like full speed. Now, if you want to draw attention in a gym, just run across the gym at full speed. So now not only do these three, this means that at least three people notice, probably a lot more. The three people that started running, now everybody's watching them. And the three of them are like, oh, lifting it up, right? It was two guys and a girl. And, um, and, uh, and I'm sitting there like with a sheepish grin, like, you know, I, like, I actually had it, guys. I mean, <laughs> totally not necessary, but thank you. Um, this really happened. Uh, the, 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 the two guys come over to me like separately, like after the dust settled, like after, after everybody else was like, you know, like everything. And they come over and they go, hey man, you know, um, if you ever need a spot, uh, you just, all you got to do is ask, right? I mean, I'll just give you a spot. You don't need to have weight land upon your chest, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, 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 I know. But you see, the, prob- the problem was, the problem was, I was trying to lift more weight than I could lift on my own, right? I was trying to do more on my own than I had the power to do on my own. I needed a spotter, right? In our lives, see, you knew I was going to tie this in, right? It wasn't just a story. In our lives, sometimes we're trying to lift some weights that we don't have the power or the strength or the ability to lift on our own. Sometimes we have circumstances in our life that we don't have the power to get through on our own. We may be struggling in a relationship. We may be struggling on a job. We may be struggling uh, in our career. We may, we may be struggling in our spiritual life. We may be struggling with a habit or, or, or a sin that we can't seem to break free from. We may be struggling with all different kinds of things, and we're under the weight of that thing. And we're stuck under the weight of that thing. And we're embarrassed to call out for help. But what we really need is a spotter. We really need someone to come along beside us and help us get that weight off of our chest. Because what the spotter does is the spotter comes over to you and and not only helps you get that weight off, but they're going to encourage you. They're going to say, you could do one more. You know, you could do one more. If you can't, I'm going to help you. Right? They're going to urge you on to do more than you can possibly do, and then they're going to be there to help you when you falter. Right? That's what a spotter does. So the result of a spotter is that when they help you, they actually make you stronger because you end up doing more repetitions and more weight if you have a spotter than you would do otherwise. Right? In our life, sometimes we need a spotter. Now, every, every Easter, we send out a survey to the congregation And the survey says, what are some things in your life or issues or topics or subjects or questions that you have that you want to hear preached about from the Bible? You want to hear what the scripture says about X, Y, or Z. And then everybody fills out the survey, turns it in. We take the top, you know, five or six of them, and then we drill down on those subjects. And one of the top issues, one of the top subjects, topics that you requested this Easter was the topic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Spirit. You wanted to know who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? Let me, let me give you what Jesus said, and I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. Jesus said, 
uh, to his disciples. Let me set this up. Jesus is with his disciples. He's about to leave. He's, he's preached. He's taught. He's performed miracles. He's been with them for three years. He's about ready to leave and ascend to the Father. And here's what he says to them. He says to them, guys, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a spotter to come and help you, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. He said, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. This word helper, he didn't use the word spotter. I used that word. I just put that in it. The word helper, your translation may say advocate, it may say ally, it may say comforter. The word is parakletos, the Greek word. And what that means is somebody who's right up beside you to be there for you, to help you in your time of trouble, to help get the weight off of you that you can't lift on your own. He's going to be a spotter in your life. The Holy Spirit is there to help you do things that you cannot do on your own. I need a teenager right here. Come, on, come up here, man. I'm gonna get, I, I need some help. Come, come around here. We, we're going to do some visuals. How do you like having these teenagers in here? I love this. They're all across the front row. What's your name? Aaron. Aaron. Okay, Aaron, come over here. You see this, um, you see this thing right here? This is a bass amp. You guys, can you see the bass amp? Okay. What I want you to do, Aaron, is I want you to pick up that bass amp, and I want you to carry it across that stage. Come on, Aaron. Okay. That's not going to be easy, is it, Aaron? Okay. Watch this, Aaron. You take that side. You go put your hand right here. I'll take this side, okay? Look how easy that is. Look how easy it is. Why? You got a spotter. You got a helper. You got somebody who's going to help do things with you that you can't do on your own. How about that, you guys? That was, that was good. Thanks, man. Whatever the weight is that you're experiencing in your life, whatever that is for you, the Holy Spirit is there to help you, to be with you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to give you ability, to give you Uh, energy to give you strength to help you along now here's the thing about the holy spirit when we speak about the holy spirit people get nervous okay because people have come from different backgrounds and different church backgrounds and the holy spirit is one of those things one of those issues one of those topics that is controversial in the church because different churches view the holy spirit in slightly different ways and so there's some controversy and there's some anticipation when you speak about the holy spirit so what i'm going to do is i'm going to gauge gauge you for a minute how many of you have come from a church where or, or you grew up in a church let's say where the holy spirit was like talked about all the time, songs about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was just, you know, the main topic of conversation. How many of y'all grew up in churches like that? Okay, so a bunch of you, right? And in some of these churches, it wasn't even the Holy Spirit. You called it the Holy Ghost, right? I mean, it was Holy Ghost. It wasn't just Holy Spirit, right? I mean, you, you ramp it up a little bit. Now, full disclosure is I grew up in a, what I'm going to call a Holy Ghost church, all right? We sang songs about the Holy Ghost, and there was Holy Ghost stuff talked about and happening and um we sang a song that said i got the holy ghost down in my soul mm, come on just like the bible said anybody sing that song all right we'll do we'll do that next sunday worship man is it um 
No, I mean, but, but there was so much sort of enthusiasm about the Holy Spirit that uh, it, sometimes it could veer off into, you know, into some, some, some wild stuff, some things that seemed to be a little bit out of order. Um, I, 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 I hesitate to mention this, but, but I will. But I, I remember one time when I was a kid, I was in a church service, and the music was going, and people were excited. People, you know, get excited. And a guy stepped out of his pew, and he, I was sitting, he was sitting about you know, two or three rows from me. And I'm not kidding you. He started doing full-on handsprings up the aisle during church. I'm not talking about cartwheels, people. I'm talking about handsprings. That's where you go over and you just the whole thing. Now, I remember thinking, that seems kind of crazy to me. Um, I'm all for the Holy Spirit, but handsprings up. Okay, but you know, everybody's got their thing, right? Now, how many of you came from a church or you grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was never mentioned. He was like the Father, the Son, and then, you know, the other guy, the, the one that comes along, right? Okay, how many, how many of you grew up in a hardly ghost church? All right, hardly ghost. All right, now, a hardly ghost church is where you're, you don't want the crazy. You don't want the wild. You don't want the bizarre. And so you kind of come over and you say, look, I'm, that's be, that's, we don't want to get into Holy Ghost stuff because that's going to be weird, right? Let me ask you this. How many of you came, you, you didn't grow up in any church, and so you're sitting here today going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go ahead. Anybody? All right. All right. A couple people. Um, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not something crazy. Holy Spirit is not something kooky. Holy Spirit is not something weird. Holy Spirit is not something wild. The Holy Spirit has a primary purpose in your life. And the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about this today. This is our big, big idea, right? The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is empowerment. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to give you power to do the things that God wants you to do in your life, but that you don't have the ability to do on your own. You don't have the strength to do on your own. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is power. Now, I've never had anybody come to my office in the past five years as a pastor and say, you know, pastor, the thing is, I have too much strength to overcome the temptations that are facing me. I need some help not having this much strength. I'm so powerful. You know, I got so much ability. It's like, ah, can't stand it. I need more trials. I need, I need more struggles. I, I, I've never had anybody do that in five years. Now, I did, have, I did have my son, Lincoln, the other day, said something that was kind of surprising. I was, we were wrestling in the family room. I said, Lincoln, man, you're getting really strong. And he goes, well, you know, Dad, I, I want to be careful not to get too strong. And I was like, oh, really? Wh- why is that? And he said, well, because if I get too strong, then too many girls will like me, and it'll be too hard for me to choose who to marry. I was like, okay, Mr. Confidence, it's just too tough to choose. But other than my son Lincoln, the rest of us need more power. We need, we need more strength. We need more ability in life to do the things that God has called us to do. And not only that, just to get through the stuff and the, 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 the issues and the challenges that we're facing on a daily basis, we need more power. This is what Jesus said when he said you're going to get the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
That's what happens to you when you receive the Holy Spirit. If you get out a concordance and open this concordance, the concordance lists all the words in the Bible and it tells you where to find them. Look up Spirit, Holy Spirit. Look, look through the whole Bible. Over and over and over, what we see is that when the Holy Spirit intervenes in a situation, the Holy Spirit always empowers a man or a woman to do the thing that God called them to do. To accomplish the purpose that God called them to, a pur- to accomplish. The Holy Spirit always comes in to give you strength, to give you power, to do the thing that you're supposed to do. The Holy Spirit comes upon David in, chap- in, in one chapter. In the next chapter, David goes out and fights Goliath and defeats him. The Holy Spirit comes upon Joseph and gives Joseph the power to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. The Holy Spirit comes upon 70 elders in the book of Exodus. And it gives them, in fact, the, the Lord says, Moses, I'm going to take some of the power off of you and I'm, I'm going to put it on this, these 70 elders so that they can help lead this people. The Holy Spirit comes on you with power over and over. You look at the prophets and the judges, there's Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Deborah, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Daniel, Michael, Joel, Haggai, Zechariah. All of these people, the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them power to either speak the word of God or to do some mighty deed. When we read about Samson the other day, the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson to give him strength to, to fight the Philistines. That's the essence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the, his essence in your life is empowerment. His essence in your life is power. It's not it's not ecstasy it's not craziness it's power to do the things that he's called you to do and become the person that he's called you to become now here's the difference between the old testament and the new testament in the old testament the holy spirit would come upon people and he would empower them for a specific purpose for a specific time to do a specific thing right so he would come upon david and 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 david would do a certain thing or it said the spirit would come upon samson and then samson would go out and do a certain thing right but Jesus says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon everybody. I'm going to make this Holy Spirit available to everybody, not just specific people for a specific time, for a specific purpose. I'm going to open it up to everybody. In fact, Peter, Jesus' disciple that we talked about last week, preaches this sermon to thousands of people on the day of Pentecost. And here's what he said when they asked him about the Holy Spirit. He said, this is what was spoken By the prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon everybody. I'm going to, my, the Holy Spirit becomes available to all of us. Not, we don't have to be a judge. We don't have to be a king. We don't have to be a prophet. We don't have to be in some high ranking, you know, position in life. The Holy Spirit is for you and is for me to empower us to do the things that God called each and every one of us to do. That's his primary purpose in your life. But here's the problem. The reason that we get sort of caught up and, and, and shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit is because of what I mentioned earlier. We associate it with things that make us like feel a little bit weird about it. We associate it with things that kind of freak us out, right? A lot of people associate the Holy Spirit with only one thing. They associate the Holy Spirit with tongues. That's the only thing that they associate it with. How many, how many of you ever heard of tongues? Tongues? Okay. So let, let, let me explain this because I want to get this up and, and into your hearts and into your minds so that you understand what's happening here. The Holy Spirit would come down throughout the scripture and he would empower people to do the thing that he wanted them to do. Okay? This happens over and over. Three times in the book of Acts, 
The thing that the, the thing that the Holy Spirit wanted the people to do was to be able to speak and preach the gospel in the language of the people that were listening. Okay? Or to magnify God or to glorify God in the language of the people that were listening. He did this three times. In Acts chapter 2, 120 followers of Jesus get together and they're praying in an upper room and thousands of people were coming from all over the world and they all spoke different dialects and they all spoke different languages. And the Holy Spirit came upon this 120 people and they began to proclaim the gospel in the languages of those people who came from all over the world. Listen to what the scripture says. It it actually shows us. It says there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, uh, Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. And they said, we hear these guys declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own languages. This is where this very first idea began when we start talking about tongues, is that God empowered certain people to speak his word and to preach his gospel to people from all over the world in a language that the speaker didn't understand, but the hearer understood. Are you with me? You tracking? That's what happened. Read the book of Acts. That's exactly what happened. In Acts chapter 10, something similar happened, okay? In Acts chapter 10, Peter went to a a Roman centurion's house. And this Roman centurion was Roman. So, you know what he spoke? What his native tongue was? Latin. That's what he spoke. Peter spoke Hebrew and probably Aramaic. And Peter takes a group of, uh, of Jews to Cornelius' house and prays for Cornelius. And Cornelius begins to speak and declare the wonders of God in a language that the Jews understood, but that Cornelius didn't understand. And this was a sign to the Jews. They said, wow. The Holy Spirit must be, must be coming upon Gentiles even because, because he's, he's speaking, he's glorifying God in a way that we understand, but we know that he doesn't. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to Ephesus, which is a Greek, which is a Greek city. Guess what they speak in, in Greece? Come on, come on, come on, come on, teenagers. What do they speak in Greece? Thank you, thank you. They speak Greek. He goes and he finds some locals, right? And he... He, he prays for them, pr- puts his hands upon them, and they begin to glorify God in a language that was understood by Paul but not understood by them, okay? So that's, that's an aspect of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he empowers people to speak in ways that magnify and glorify God to the hearer, even though the speaker doesn't understand what he or she is saying. So if I were on, in mainland China or I was in Taiwan and I was surrounded by people uh, you know, who, who only spoke Mandarin, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon me and I declare the gospel in Mandarin. Right? That's what was happening here. Then in, in Corinthians, I mean, you're getting the full spectrum. You guys just, you, you just absorb this. In Corinthians, Paul says, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he said, sometimes you guys are speaking in a language uh, that you don't understand and it strengthens your spirit and allows you to speak directly to God even though other people don't understand it. Now, he's kind of writing this in in 1 Corinthians 14 because everybody was doing it everywhere all the time. And he said, look, you don't want to be, you you know, you don't want to create an environment where people think you're crazy. You know, it's good for you. It's, It's strengthening for you. It's edifying for you to be able to speak in this unknown language directly to God. And that's good. He says, I speak in tongues. 
And I, I, I don't forbid people from speaking in tongues. You need to be able to speak in tongues. But he's, he's correcting them because they're just doing it everywhere all the time. And there's nobody there to hear them. There's nobody there to understand what they're saying. So it was just chaos, right? I don't know if they were doing handsprings, but they were, it was, it was, that's the vibe that I get when I read 1 Corinthians 14. So sometimes the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they speak in, in an unknown tongue that they don't know. And that's all right, man. There's nothing wrong with that. If you come from a, from a hardly ghost church, don't let that freak you out. Don't be like, oh my Lord, I just, you know, I father, son, and cuckoo land over there, you know. Don't be freaked out by that. Nobody's, it's okay, all right? If you come from a Holy Ghost church, don't be in the position, don't get caught in the trap of believing that you've got the Holy Spirit and nobody else does, okay? That you've got some special thing and nobody else does because that's not what the Scripture teaches on this topic. The Scripture teaches that some people are empowered by this and some people are able to speak to God in an unknown language and that's part of the groanings and utterings and the Spirit interceding for them and it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing that can happen in a person's life. But it's not, Paul said, does everybody speak in tongues? No, it's not for everybody and it's not something that you just go around doing because people think you're crazy because they don't understand you, right? So the, 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 the core of this is that the essence of the Holy Spirit, guys, is not tongues, the essence of the Holy Spirit is not miracles. The essence of the Holy Spirit is not burning bushes and clouds of smoke. The essence of the Holy Spirit is to give you power to do the things that God has called you to do under the circumstances that you can't do them on your own. Are you with me? That's the, that is what the Holy Spirit is all about. So don't, let us not become a church that gets like in the weeds, in the details, and, we've, and we become fractured in this because the Holy Spirit brings unity. The Holy Spirit, that's his role. He brings unity. And when people were speaking in those unknown languages, it wasn't confusing. It was actually perfect clarity. They were speaking in a language that the person could understand. So the, the essence of the Holy Spirit is empowerment. He's here to empower your life. He's here to help you move through life and do the things that God has called you to do. How does he do that? The first way that the Holy Spirit does that is that he empowers you to break destructive habits and he liberates you to lead spiritually healthy lives. That's what the, the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life. He's a source of power and strength in your life to help you break destructive habits and liberate you to lead healthy spiritual lives. How many of you have ever met somebody who's technically married? Do you know what I'm saying? Technically? You know? Um, what I mean is, yeah, they said the vow. They went to the courthouse. They signed the thing. They had a preacher or an officiant sign the thing. They maybe even had a wedding cake. They wore the dress. They had the flowers. But there's no richness. There's no vitality. There's no love. There's no longing. There's no desire. There's no relationship between them. Right? Everybody's super quiet right now. Everybody's like, never, don't know anybody like that. No, no idea what you're talking about. Right? Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we can check the box. Do I believe in the virgin birth? Yes. Do I believe that Jesus taught and performed miracles? Yes. Do I believe that he was killed and died on a cross? Yes. He, was he buried? Yes. Was he dead? Yes. Uh, did he rise from the, the grave? Yes. Okay, I'm a Christian, right? And so we're technically Christians. We can check all of the orthodox Christian boxes, but there's no vitality. There's no relationship, there's no longing, there's no love, there's no depth 
in that relationship. The Holy Spirit is here to create and to, and, and to be with us in an intimate, personal way. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Father is, is, is they all have different roles, but the Father is primarily our, our creator. The, Jesus, the Son, is, is our deliverer. The Holy Spirit is here to, to be with us. He's the parakletos. He's the one that's right beside us. He's the spotter. He's the one with whom we, we grow our relationship in God. In fact, I... I, I Having the Holy Spirit, like when I prepared this sermon, I, I literally said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say about you? Right? He's here. He can be in your life, not in some sort of abstract, vague, ethereal, smoky, distant way, but as an ally, as a confidant, as a friend with you right now, with whom you can have a rich, beautiful, powerful, meaningful relationship. And having a, a, a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is not a one-time occurrence. It, when you read it in the Scripture, it's repeatedly. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul writes. Just be filled. Not, not be filled once, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Let that, let that relationship grow. Let it flourish. Let it strengthen you. Let, the, let there be dynamism in that relationship. Let you, you know, have, have a real relationship with God. Here's what happens. Paul says, says when, you're, when you have a relationship with God and the Spirit is active and alive in you, then the things that start to break, you start to break free, are these. And he gives us a, a pretty explicit list. He says, here's what happened. Here's what you start to throw down. Here's what starts to melt off you. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says, and all the other stuff that you know what I'm talking about, right? He's like, and the like, all the other stuff that, okay, well, technically I don't fall into one of those camps. Okay, well, the other stuff, right? He says, when you start to have an active, alive relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the flesh, the flesh is your sin nature, they are at odds. They are in conflict with each other. These are the fruit of the flesh. This is what happens when you don't follow the Spirit, right? Go back one slide. Uh, just go back one slide, back to the back to the bad stuff. Okay, so this is this is this this is the stuff when you don't have a relationship with the Spirit. This is the stuff that is produced in your life. Now I dare you to look at this list and say, "I'm not in there. I don't. I'm not up there. I nope, nothing in there. Re, nothing represents me. He missed my thing, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm not in there, right? I mean, the the Holy Spirit can actually. When I became a follower of Jesus. I mean, clear as a bell, the Holy Spirit began to move in my heart. He didn't speak to me in an audible voice, but I began to be impressed by the power of the Spirit that, hey, there's some stuff in your life that's going to have to, you know, go away. Because it's not what, it's not what the Spirit does. It's not what, what's the, what the Spirit's about. Because now your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple has to be cleaned up. You can't be doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the temple. There's got to be some good stuff in the temple. He said, in fact, here's what happens when you do have an active life in the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the, 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 uh, the produce, the outcome of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit helps to give you these qualities, helps to develop these qualities in you, and when you have the Holy Spirit active in your life, this is the result. 
This is what starts to happen inside of you. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for my life. I want to be loving and joyful and peaceful and long-suffering and kind and good and faithful and gentle and have self-control. That's what I want. So I want the Holy Spirit in my life to help me achieve these things, right? The other list I don't want in my life. I want this stuff. So that's why we pursue the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. The second way that he empowers us is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us with unique gifts so that we can help one another grow. He gives us unique strengths and abilities, not just so that we can flourish and be awesome ourselves, but that we can help other people grow. We have uh, seven new leaders in our congregation uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to just read your names. Yawande Apatira. Anybody know Yawande? Where are you, Yawande? Where are you? She's hiding now. Oh, she's back here. Yawande has become our greeting team leader. Why? Because she is the greetingest greeter you've ever greeted in your life. She's got a degree in social work. She cares about people. She's got a heart for people. And so she's, she's got a gift. The Holy Spirit has gifted her in certain ways, and those ways are being expressed here at U City Family Church. Ryan Dodson, he's back there on sound right there. He's become one of our trustees. Yeah, come on. All right, you can hear it. God has gifted him with the ability to, to think through numbers. He's a CPA. He's good at this kind of you know, high-level stuff. So he became one of our trustees in the last couple of weeks. Right? Because God gifted him in a certain way that he's using to help equip the saints. Um, Jake Harris, some of you may not know Jake. Is Jake in here? He might be upstairs with the kids. Jake Harris is a musician, and, and, and God is empowering him to lead our children in worship. Right? Because that's his gift. That's his unique gift. Donna Head is back here right now, videotaping this sermon. Right? She's heading up a video team. You know what Donna Head does for a living? She's a videographer. That's what she does. That's her gift. That's her strength. The Holy Spirit is using that gift. <laughs> I'm looking right at you right now. Uh, to, to, to edify the people of God, to edify the saints. Uh, Amanda Holmes. Where are you, Amanda? Amanda's right here. She just became our administrative assistant. She's got, she's got a, a very orderly, structured, organized way about her and mind, and so she's now uh, in that role of administrative assistant, using her gifts to edify um, the saints. And of course, Dolores became our life group leader. And you can just see, she just loves what she, what she does. And she's awesome at it, right? God gives each and every one of us gifts to equip us by the power of his spirit to do the things that he's called us to do and to edify and strengthen the body. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So it's God's Spirit in you that gives you the gifts to do the things that God's called you to do. So use those gifts, people. Use them. Find a way to use them, either in the church or outside of the church. But know that this, this is a gift from God. Here's the thing. A lot of times, it doesn't seem like a gift to you because it's just you, right? So, like, I'm an outgoing person. I just, I go out. I just, I'm like, if it's a party, I'm the last person to leave. I'll be the last person to leave here today. Not because I'm trying, but that's just who I am, right? 
I don't necessarily personally see that as a gift, but then after a few years of ministry, you go, hey, that's actually a gift because, you know, you talk to people. And, you know, some people like it when you talk to them. You know, they like it when, they, when you smile at them. It's nice. They enjoy that. Uh, so you don't, might not know what your gifts are, but, but let, let the Spirit work in you and develop those strengths, those gifts, those talents that you already have. Why does he do this? He says this in uh, Ephesians. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. In other words, he's doing it to strengthen us. He's doing it to empower not us only individually, but us as a community, as a people. We need a spotter. We need a spotter to give us strength. We need a spotter to help us lift the weight so that we can help others lift the weight. We need a spotter so that we can become a spotter. We need a spotter. Did you catch that? We need a spotter in our life so that we can become a spotter to somebody else. I was back in the gym this week. And there was a guy on the weight bench. And I glanced over to the weight bench. And I noticed that this guy was not doing so well on the weight bench. He was struggling. And so in between reps, I went over to him. I go, hey man, you need a spotter? And he was like, yes. I could really use a spotter. And I saved him the excruciating embarrassment of getting stuck under the weight. But right, we need a spotter in our life so that we can become a spotter to somebody else. It honors God when we become strong so that we can help make other people strong. Jesus said, my mission is I'm coming, I'm going to free the captives, comfort those that are mourning, bring joy. I'm going to do all this stuff, right? Why? so that they, the people I'm helping, can become trees of righteousness. They can become strong. Why? So that our Father in heaven may be glorified. Our Father is honored when we are strong. Our Father is honored when we are strong and we strengthen other people. I, I came down from bre- to breakfast the other day, and I saw my son, my, my, uh, how old is he now, six, Lincoln, making pancakes. Now, they were frozen pancakes. Don't get too impressed. Don't get too impressed. You know, you get them out of the freezer. You know, you have to take them out of the bag and put them in the toaster. I mean, there's still some stuff to do. But I, I, was, I, was, I was honored when I looked at my son. I go, man, my son is doing something on his own. Like, I, he's been taught. He knows how to do this, and now he's doing this. I was doubly honored when he told me he was making pancakes for Jameson and Augustine, his brothers, Right? God is honored when we are made strong and then we begin to use our strength to serve others to strengthen them so they can use their strength to serve others to strengthen them. If you haven't noticed, guys, our culture right now, our, our country, our, our world, it's, it's busted. It's broken. I mean, there's racial tension, there's animus, there's, you know, in Charlotte, in Tulsa, in Seattle, there's just, you can't even, I don't even want to read the news at this point. There's just so much going on. And God is saying, look, I'm here, I'm the Holy Spirit, and I'm here to give you strength and vitality and power to go be the vanguard of being Jesus on the earth and bringing justice and bringing peace and bringing life and bringing hope to people that are in despair. That's what I've called you to do. And you can't be the body of Christ if you don't have the spirit of Christ inside of you. You're just a body of people. You're just a group of people. Let the spirit come inside of you. Last point I want to make. 
The Holy Spirit empowers us to end our sermons on time when we go to two services. Amen. But until then, he also gives us liberty to preach a little longer. Okay. The Holy Spirit empowers us to advance the movement that Jesus began. Turn to the person next to you and say, this isn't about me. Okay, now turn to your second choice and say, this isn't about you either. All right, good. Jesus is calling us, right, by the power of his spirit to lead the movement that he began. That's why he gives us this power. That's why people did what they did. That's why uh, we see the, the, the gospel spreading all around the world. He empowers us with his spirit, not just so that we can be strong, but that we can share the gospel with everybody we meet. Listen to this. I'm going to finish this, the verse that I started at the beginning. He said, you will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in New City and in St. Louis. That's what he said. That's what he meant. We're here to be the vanguard, to be the leaders of, of love, joy, peace, racial unity, reconciliation, brotherhood on the earth. That's what we're here for, you guys, because that's what Jesus' mission was, and we're here to fulfill Jesus' mission. If we're not, what are we doing? That's what we're doing. That's why we're here, to be filled with the Spirit to do what Christ wants us to do. So we're just doing, all, you know, and, and I'm presenting every Sunday, starting next Sunday, I think, every Sunday we'll have one, one of the ministries here that we support, so you'll get to hear what they do. This week, this week, there's going to be a, a, a cabinet meeting, all of the executives from U City School District, all of the, you know, the superintendent and all the executives that are having a meeting. Guess where they're having their meeting? In the family center, upstairs. Yeah. Guess who's buying them lunch? You are. You didn't know that, right? Because that's, we're just, we're just, we, last week, a, a big old, you know, a bunch of us, a half dozen or six or seven of us showed up at the Concordance Leadership Academy, and I know there are others of you that want to get involved, and, and there'll be more opportunities. We're going to start reaching out to the folks that are coming out of prison. We've got a group of about 10 going into uh, the elementary school every week and helping tutor the kids. I mean, our aim is to just reach out into the community and start bringing the peace and the love and the strength and the mercy of God into our, into our community. But we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him. He's our spotter. He's the one that lifts the weight for us. He's the one that empowers us to go out and do what he's calling us to do. So I'm going to close with this. If you agree with me, that you need power in your life to do what God has called you to do, the question then becomes, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? How, do I, how does this happen, right? I mean, I've checked the boxes of Christianity, but how do I receive the Holy Spirit? And this is exactly what the, the, the men and women on the day of Pentecost asked Peter. Peter got up and preached a, an amazing sermon. 3,000 people became believers on that day. I want to preach that sermon. <laughs> I want to preach that sermon. And here's what he said to them. He said, here's, here's what I'm going to call you to do. Repent and be baptized, he said. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And here's what's going to happen. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will come into your life. It may be different for different ones of you. It may be a, a, a different kind of experience for each and every one of you. 
But you'll know that the Holy Spirit is in your life. He's active in your life, just like you know when you're in a relationship. He'll be there in your life. He'll be there to strengthen you, to fortify you, to comfort you, to bring you peace, to convict you of sin, to direct you, to guide you, to lead you. He'll be there for you. You may, experiencing him in, you may experience him in different ways, but he will be there for you. I'm going to make it super easy. How do we do it? Number one, pivot. That's what repent means. It means you're going this way and you pivot. I'm going to go this way. That's what the Holy Spirit said to me when I became a believer. Hey, Rome, you're going down this path. I want you to go down this path. Pivot. Turn around. That stuff that's in your life, get rid of it. The acts of the flesh, get rid of it. Unload it. Can you do it all at once? No. Sometimes it's incremental. Sometimes you move by degrees. Sometimes you pivot like this really slowly, right? But you're still pivoting, all right? Don't be discouraged if you haven't, you know, if you're still struggling in something. But tur- start turning towards, towards God. Number two, plunge. If you have not been baptized, we've got, Mother Ray, you're going to be so happy. Mother Ray is the baptism team leader. We've got a group of people now that have indicated their desire to get baptized, to take the plunge, to accept Jesus as their Savior and to declare it to the whole world. So we're going to be planning a baptism service coming up. If you want to get baptized and you haven't been baptized or you haven't been baptized as an adult and made that affirmation on your own and you want to, let us know. Write it down on your connection card, baptism, and then put your email address down there and we'll, we'll reach out to you and let you know all the details about that. And then number three is pursue. Go after it. In Acts chapter 2, after Peter preaches this amazing sermon, 3,000 people come to Christ. Right after that, it says this, and then they devoted themselves, the 3,000, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then it goes on and on. They just got together. They, they enjoyed one another. They prayed together. They studied the scriptures. Get engaged. Get involved in a life group. Get involved on the dream team. Find a way to plug in and get involved. And get engaged and start pursuing this and walking this out. I can just, and I'll tell you this, I'll close with this. Because of the intensity of the experience of the Holy Spirit stuff that I grew up around, for many years I said, I don't, want, I don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't want, any, I don't want any Holy Spirit in this stuff going around because it freaks me out and it's scary and, and, and it's weird, right? And believe it or not, I was, when I became a Christian, I started going to a Presbyterian church. And a Presbyterian pastor turned a former Pentecostal kid into a guy who is pursuing the Holy Spirit, if you can believe that. Right? The Holy Spirit is for you. He's not something crazy. He's not something freaky. He's not something weird. He's not something spooky. He's here for you to empower you to do the things that God has called you to do. He wants to be your spotter so that you can be a spotter for somebody else. Receive him into your life today. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for your spirit who is here even now in our midst. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. Some of us experience him in different ways and express him in different ways, but Father, we just thank you for his power in our life today. We thank you for the power that you've made available to us to lift the weights and the burdens of life, not only off of ourselves, but then to help lift the weights and the burdens off of others. We thank you, God, for being our advocate, our ally, our comforter, 
our healer, our friend. We thank you, God, for being our strength and our power. Now, God, I ask that every single person in this room that hears these words, God, would open their hearts, open their hearts and open their minds to the reality of your immediate presence that is here with us. And they would experience your love. They would experience the power of your spirit and your peace and your grace in their own life, God, that they might be a beacon of light, that they might be a beacon of hope, that they might be a, 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 a leader in this community to bring peace and reconciliation and joy and justice and comfort and love to the community around us. Father, I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to, we're going to close out. I'm going to invite you to worship in a few different ways. Uh, 